All right. Well, good evening, everyone. Hope everybody is doing well. Uh, good evening for those who are coming online. May the Lord bless you and continue to lead you by His Spirit. If you can turn with us uh, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we are going to be in verses 13 through 18. Again, it is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. And as we have the opportunity of studying God's word together tonight, we're going to see that Paul gives us final instruction and tells us that the household of Stephanus was dedicated to ministry. So they were to honor them because they were such a blessing to everyone. And you know, there uh, needs to always be a purpose of why we're gathering, a purpose of why um, I'm sharing you or whoever's teaching is giving you this message. And our prayer is that you would be addicted to ministry and thus be a blessing be a blessing to the body of Christ. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity that I have. Well, Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Holy Spirit, that me and Joanna are able to be here on the island for, for two weeks, God. Lord, thank you for this past week. Such a blessing. Uh, Lord, again, thank you for answering my prayers, Lord, as I continue to pray for the body of Christ here. And Thank you so much for our family. Thank you so much for the upcountry family. And Holy Spirit, we pray that through this message that Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, would truly be glorified. So, dear God, we give you the opportunity to flow in our midst, to speak to us in whichever way you see fit. So, Lord, I pray that you would fill my lips and fill my mind to bring forth what you've put upon my heart for these people here. And Lord, I pray a special blessing upon the body of Christ right now and for those who are coming online and not only for their families, but I pray for a blessings upon their extended family. Uh, Lord, continue to heal our bodies. Um, bring our loved ones to salvation to Jesus Christ. So dear God, we pray that Jesus Christ would be glorified in our midst. And we ask all these things in the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior. And we say, Amen. 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 You know, do you have an addiction? Do you have an addiction? How about a Komoda addiction? As you all know, I looked this up, Komodas turned 105 years old this past January 2022. Did you know that? Komodas turned 105 years old January 2022. That truly is amazing. They have been making the most delicious donuts and breads for over 105 years. And I got to eat some on on Saturday, I'll tell you that, Lord answered my prayer. Some of you guys know that already, all right? But did you know that the business actually began in 1916 at the site close to now, Polly's Mexican Restaurant? Did you know that was the original site? Two blocks up the street from here where they're presently located, right? The island congratulated T. Komoda, 
Storen Bakery, on their 105th anniversary, they have been serving again, like I said, Maui since 1916. The founder, what's the founder's name? Do you know the founder's name? Anyone? Anyone of those of you online? Oh, no, you can't answer. Anyone know his name? His name? John? Well, Long John. (laughs) Silver. His original name, Takezo. Takezo Komoda. Opened the store selling mostly sandwiches and their homemade bread, Simon and donuts to the local cowboys and plantation workers. Did you know that? That's so amazing. It's just this short version, all right? In 1947, they evolved into the beloved bakery and general store from which they are famous. But, but, did you know this? Did you know this? Today, they make approximately 400 cream puffs a day. And about 200 malasadas, all right? That's incredible. Though quantities for both of them, which was way more higher than the pandemic. So before the pandemic, they were selling more than that. That's amazing. I thought that was blown, that blew me away, right? Well, this evening, Paul the Apostle will encourage us to get addicted. Not to Komoda's Donuts, right? Sounds good though, right? But he will encourage us specifically to get addicted to ministry. Addicted to ministry. Let's begin by reading this portion. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, just verses 13 and 14. Okay, follow along with us. Just 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. It says this. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Verse 14, let all that you do be done with love. Be done with love. Paul begins by encouraging us with instruction because this instruction was given specifically to the Corinthian church, but it also speaks directly to our hearts this evening. Paul begins with a militaristic encouragement to the Corinthian believers. A militaristic, okay? A military kind of orders or encouragement to us this evening. In fact, the commentator Clark stated these words. The first four terms in this verse are all directly military terms. Let's look at those. Let's look at these. The first one, if you look, if you saw in verse 13, Paul the Apostle encourages us to watch. The word to watch means to give strict attention, to heed to, lest you fall into sin. That's specifically what it means in the Greek, to be watchful lest you fall into sin. We are not to let our guard down, but we are to be alert. Isn't this so true? That the enemy, Satan, and the enemy is not your wife or your husband. The enemy is not the people who are in the church, even though sometimes we might get into little disagreements. But the enemy is is Satan. Don't forget that. He is waiting for you just to let your guard down so that he can attack. The devil is always looking for 
a weak point. This summer, I was able to, me and Joan and our family was able to visit with my son, Zach, who's located in Montana. And we were just so happened to watch a, um, one of those kind of those outdoor, it wasn't a National Geographic, but it was something like that. And it talked about how, you know, the wolves have been brought back and they're very important within the, the eco cycle of what's going on, especially in Yellowstone National Park. And it was very interesting how the, um, the wolves hunt. First of all, the wolves hunt in packs. And as they hunt in packs, they're running along the herds, whatever it might be, bison, it might be the antelope, the mountain goats. They're running along in packs. And you know what they're doing? They're sizing up the group. And you know who they're looking for? The weakest one. And once they locate the, le- the, wink- the, winkest, the weakest one, they focus in on that weakest one. And they all begin their attack. And it really is almost like a, a, a military attack. I mean, they focus in and they surround that one. Finally, they get it. And the whole goal is to attack the weakest one. Satan is like a wolf. Satan is looking for the weakest Christian in the body of Christ to attack them. And the whole idea is I'm not saying the weakest one in the body of Christ, but the weakest one at that time. Because there's always, we all experience weaknesses in our life. And Paul begins by telling us to be watchful. Because the devil, Satan, is looking for the weakest one. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be alert, And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What we saw, the spiritual term there. What is that militaristic, that military term? Watch ye means to watch and be continually on your guard lest you are surprised by your enemies. Huh. Soldiers are always to be watchful at all time. I don't know who has served in the military here, and maybe those of you who are online, you served in the military, you know how it is important for you to be watchful at all times. When they are on watch, it is a very serious thing. In fact, if the military finds someone sleeping, just sleeping at their guard post, at the least they can be expelled by the military or in time of war they can actually be put to death. Did you know that? That's how serious it was to be watchful. So the encouragement for us, what's the encouragement? We are to be watchful at all times. Don't let your guard down. When we do, we get into trouble. Oftentimes, people get into trouble when they are not watching the water. It's kind of sad, but have you been watching the news and national news and you've been seeing like, you know, a family is swept into the ocean and, and um, you hear about these kids that were swept in the ocean. It's so sad. They found one boy. They couldn't find the other one. And just the other day, yesterday, when me and Joanne were in the water, she was facing towards me, facing towards the shore. And I said, hey, you need to turn around and be facing the ocean because you never know when a wave will come, a rogue wave. And that's usually what happens. People think they're okay. They're walking by the shore. They're not watchful. And all of a sudden, a rogue wave comes, hits them, knocks them off their feet. They lose their footing. And what happens? 
they get sucked into the ocean. Maybe some of you have been sucked into the ocean, right? But thank God you made it back, right? Or you wouldn't be here right now, right? But what happens is Satan works that way too. And when we're not watchful, he comes in with that rogue wave, hits us when we least expect it. And next you know, we lose our what? We lose our footing. We lose our ground. And as that happens, we begin to get swept away very easily. So we see here that we need to be focused. Don't get swept out. Paul begins his ending of his encouragement to the Corinthian believers. This is the last chapter, so it's his last words to them in 1 Corinthians. And he tells them to be watchful. But not only that, his second militaristic term that he says, as if you look in your Bible, it says, stand fast in the faith, which means to remain firm in godliness and one's fellowship with the Lord. Keep your relationship with the Lord close. Don't let anything interfere with you and Jesus. Keep your relationship strong in the Lord. That is the biblical term there. What's the militaristic term as Paul is using that? Stand fast in the faith. It means to keep your ranks. Do not be disorderly. Be determined to keep your ranks unbroken. Keep close together. Not only being watchful is important in the military, but be being disciplined in the military is very important. You need to strong, stay strong together within the military. We need to stay strong together, <coughs> excuse me, as believers. When the enemy attacks, we must work together to achieve victory. Satan, what does he try to do? Just like that herd, right? He tries to divide us. He tries to separate us. Stay together. Stay together in the fellowship. You know, not just in your family, but in the church family. We are going to spend eternity together in heaven. And it's important that we stand strong together. You know, I think you would agree with me, maybe 99% on this. The pandemic has been evil. It has been evil. It has affected society like we've never, ever seen before, okay? Because this pandemic has happened, it hasn't happened in 100 years and something like it. And none of us are 100 years old yet, so, you know, we weren't in the last one. So it has affected us like never before. Man, it's crazy. Did you know that alcohol consumption has risen in Maui between 2022, or excuse me, 2020 and 2021? 2022 statistics are not out yet. But the statistics here in Maui alone, between 2020 and 2021, the figures are out. Alcohol consumption in that one year rose 23%. 23% on your island here in one year. 23%. That, that's a high consumption. I didn't write it down, but it talked about, it showed about what, you know, the, that would look like on paper with how much drinking went up. I mean, you're talking about people are consuming, let's say, if they're consuming beers, they're consuming two more beers per day. I mean, that, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's concerning how much they drink already. It's crazy. 
But that's not it. Child obesity has risen. Children's education has suffered. Domestic abuse has grown. But the greatest spiritual evil at all, of all, is that the church has been fooled. We have been allowing fear instead of fellowship. We've neglected the word and corporate worship. We've allowed things to dictate our lives other than getting back to the business of Jesus. And really, what is the business of Jesus? What is the business of Jesus? People. People. You can't separate Jesus from people. What did he do? He was around people. He was ministering to people. They, 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 they surrounded Jesus. They, they mobbed Jesus wherever he went. Everything relates about Jesus and people. That's the business. We need to get back into fellowship, into the word, into corporate worship. This is the business of Jesus. So the encouragement, keep your relationship with Jesus strong. Be disciplined. Don't let anything get in the way with your relationship with Jesus. Don't let anything to get you away from the Lord and the fellowship that he has with one another. Paul tells us, stand fast. Stand fast in the faith. But then he goes on and he tells us then to be brave, which is the only time written in Scripture. The only time written in Scripture. And directly in the Scripture, (coughs) to be brave means to show oneself a man. That's what it means exactly in the Greek. To show oneself a man. Paul tells the Corinthians, be manly. Protect others. Be brave. A man protects those who cannot defend themselves. I like the military term because the military term means to act yourself a man. Act yourself a man. When you are attacked, it means don't flinch. Maintain your ground. Resist. Press forward. Strike home. Keep compact. And it means to conquer. We live in a time where we are bombarded, bombarded by society, which looks down on masculinity, doesn't it? I mean, you talk about being a man, you talk about being manly, right? Where they're like, oh, that's so wrong in our society. You know, connect with the feminine side, you know? Paul says, Show yourself a man. Be strong. Be strong in an age and a time when to be manly, to be masculine, to be a man of God is looked down upon. It means to be strong and to protect others. You ever heard this quote? Evil succeeds when good people do nothing. Think about that. Evil succeeds. When good people do nothing. Society tells us, keep your head down. Don't get into other people's business. But the Bible tells us, be brave. Be 
brave. So, what's the encouragement in that word? To protect others. Don't just watch out for yourself, but be mindful for those who are around you who need strength, uplifting in the Lord. Take time to ask people, hey, how are you doing? No, 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 really. How are you doing? And then allow for a response. Find out how people are doing. You know, like I said, because we live in a time where, you know, we're, we're just so separated and, and, you know, and we try not to get into other people's business. And, of course, we don't want to get into people's private business. But we need to be asking one another, how are you doing? How are things going? Can I pray for you about something? And then be willing to pray with them. Be willing to pray with them. Right there. Right there. Just come to their help. Come to their need. Be manly. Be bold. Be strong. You know? Find out how people are doing. That's that word that it means. It's very specific in the Greek. Show yourself a man. Do the things that protects others. Well, Paul goes on to tell us, then the fourth word is if you look here, he says, be strong, which means to show yourself brave. Show yourself brave against those who were in opposition against you. Don't run away. Don't retreat. And in a very similar way, you can see that the third thing, to be manly, to be a man and to be brave, they, they are very close together, right? They, they're very close in similarity. But at the same time, they're different. Because in the militaristic term, to be strong means if one company or division is opposed by a greater force of the enemy, you go and strengthen that division. Maintain your position. but strengthen those who are around you. It means to summon all your courage, to sustain each other. Fear not, for fear will take away your strength. We're to be strong for others, to build up the moral courage of others, to build them up, to strengthen them up. It's so important to maintain a positive attitude in the midst of a negative world. The world is heading downward. Everything around us is very negative. Isn't that so true? I mean, really, you want to get depressed? Just listen to the news and you'll get depressed really quick, right? But we need to be maintaining a positive attitude. We need to become a positive attitude or a positive force within the church, but also in this world. You know, we interact with the world, right? We go to the market, we put in gas, uh, we go to restaurants. People need to see our strength, the strength that we have in Jesus Christ, just in our attitude and in our words, because we're living in a, a world that is going through difficult times still. Very interesting It's a word that means to reinforce those who are weak. Have you ever heard this term or this words or this quote? 
We are only as strong as the weakest link. You ever heard that before? It's very true. The devil goes around after the weak. Those who are discouraged. And like a chain, strengthen the weakest link. Keep looking up. Keep looking up. If you look down, you'll be depressed. If you look up, you'll be impressed. We need to be looking up. Looking up more towards the Lord. Don't give up. Don't retreat. Stay strong and come to the aid of those who are weak. Now, Paul the Apostle gives us four militaristic terms. But if you notice, he gives us five encouragements. Look at the fifth one, which is not a military term. But the fifth one, he says, is let all you do be done in love. Verse 14. Let all you do be done in agape. This rules out doing all that I said to you in the flesh. It rules it all out. We are not to operate in the flesh. In this world, we're not to operate in this flesh. But we need to operate in agape love. I like what Pastor David Guzik says about this. He says, all the watching, all the standing fast, all the bravery, and all the strength the Corinthian Christians might show meant nothing. Meant nothing without love. Without love. They were called to do all these things, <coughs> excuse me, in a meek and in a humble spirit of love. These four terms are all strong military terms, but they are nothing if they are not done in a spirit of love. That is why Paul sums it up. Let all that you and I do, everything, needs to be done in love. There's no excuse. We all need to be doing what we're doing in love. Have you ever heard of this quote? Love is the cord that binds this bundle properly together. Listen to me. Love is the cord that binds this bundle properly together. Like a bonsai tree. A bonsai tree. You ever seen a bonsai tree? I think we've all seen a bonsai tree, right? I was so excited in Okinawa about a couple years ago. This guy was leaving the island, and he advertised, bonsai tree for sale. I forgot what, how much it cost me now. It was either between $50 or $100. I forgot. It was either one or two. Bonsai tree for sale. Let's say $50. $50. And I go, oh, because I always wanted a bonsai tree. I always wanted one. You know, you live in Japan, you got to have a bonsai tree, right? So all of a sudden, I called up the guy. Hey, how you doing? I'd really like to get it. In fact, I knew that, you know, that they're very expensive in Japan. And I go, I'd like to get this. And I go, by the way, I was wondering, how old is it? And he goes, oh, I don't know. But the old Japanese man that I bought it from says it's over 50 years old. And I was all like, I'll be there. Just wait for me, right? So sure enough, I showed up, and it was it's cool, man. It is in the old pot and bent such perfect. It's beautiful. And I knew this thing was over 50 years old. I mean, just the way it was. 
And I was talking to the guy, and he goes, yeah, I wish I could take it with me, but I can't take it back. And, you know, again, I bought it off an old um, um, Japanese man. So I, I, maybe it was only 50 because he says it will cost me a lot more. You know, I said, hmm, I'll take it. <laughs> so anyway, I took it home. And I had it, and I had a special place. It was inside the house for a while, and then I put it outside on a nice thing and had it out there and, you know, was watering it all good. It was growing. It blossomed. I had it, for, I don't know how long. I had it about, probably for about a year. Still doing so great and everything. And then um, all of a sudden it showed up, and there was this German uh, gnome in there, you know, like a gnome, like a little little figure. I'm like, what's this doing here? And John goes, it looks good there. So I put it there. So she picked it up in Germany and put it there. And I'm like... Okay, I'll leave it there, right? So I go on vacation. I think I had to go to California for, I think it was only two weeks. It was a shorter trip. It was like when we had to go for a short time. And I came back, and, um, you know, you're looking at your plants, and I looked at the, the bonsai tree, and it was, there were no leaves on it. It was just completely leafless, leafless you know. It was naked, you know. And I told Zach, Zach, what happened to my tree, you know? And because I left him in charge of watering the plants while I was gone, you know? And uh, he goes, oh, he goes, oh, I, I, I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's winter, so it's, you know, it's, it's dormant right now. It's just no leaves, it's dormant. And I go, oh, sounds good. And I was about to walk away, and I go, wait a second, it's summer, you know? And I go, hey, did you water this thing? And he's all like, yeah. And I'm all, oh, no. So, you know, I'm trying to bring it back to life, and I'm sad to say that it didn't survive. But I, ha- I don't have the heart to get rid of it, so it's just sitting there all dead. It's just dead. I just don't have the heart to throw it away. It's been a year, and it's still there with the little gnome there still. It's still there. I don't have the heart to throw it away. But you know what? What is so amazing, how they start off with bonsai trees, I mean, really, they manipulate it by wrapping wire around the, 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 it doesn't naturally grow like that. It, they, they start to manipulate the wires and they cut and, and they manipulate with wires to form it just right. And then after a while, they don't need the wires because it's growing out exactly the way it should be. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, you guys. We cannot do these four things on our own. We cannot. But love is that cord that binds all of this together and forms it. And the Holy Spirit molds and shapes us into what he wants to be. And that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit as he works through us through love. And he molds and shapes us. And that's why Paul uses this word. And even as, you know, Pastor David Guzik encourages us, all this cannot be done. Unless it's all molded together in a spirit of love. And we've got to let love permeate, permeate, just come from us. Just come out like a beautiful fragrance. Allow the Holy Spirit to do these things in your life. And Paul uses this military terms, and I don't have time to go into it, but, you know, why did Paul speak so much about the military? Probably his dad was, I mean, his grandpa was in the military, and, and he, Paul learned all these things from his grandpa, and that's why Paul got, was a Roman citizen. How was Paul a Roman citizen? It was probably because his grandpa did something great for the military, 
And that's why Paul knew all these military terms. Because if we have the time to look in the scriptures, Paul used military terms throughout all his epistles. Philippians chapter 2, Philemon 1, 1 Corinthians 9, Ephesians 6, 1 Timothy 1, 2 Timothy 4. He constantly used military terms because he knew how important they are in the sense of discipline and honor, strength. And that's how we're to live our lives. But it has to be bound together in love. Well, Paul then goes on to use a godly family to encourage us to serve the Lord. Read along with me in verses 15 and 16. You guys still there? First, first, excuse me. First, first Corinthians chapter 16. There we go. Spit it out. Verses 15 and 16. Here we go. I urge you, brethren... You know the household of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. 16. That you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. Again, Paul uses a godly family to encourage us to serve. And he specifically uses the ministry family of Stephanus or Stephanus. Okay, so I'm going to interact either Stephanus, Stephanus, you know I'm talking about the same person. He then goes on to say, I urge you, my brethren, I urge you, which means I admonish you, I encourage you, brothers and sisters, you Corinthians in Christ, you know of the household of Stephanus, that they were the first fruits of Achaia. You know this family. They're the first ones to get saved in the area of Achaia. They enrolled themselves as Christians first. They're the first family to get saved in the area. Most likely, Paul led this family to Jesus Christ. And again, they were the first ones to become Christians in Achaia. Then he says, and that they devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. The word devoted means that they consecrated themselves to ministry. Or if you have the King James Version, it says specifically that they were addicted to ministry. The household of Stephanus, Stephanus were addicted to ministry. Very, very, very interesting. Very interesting. They devoted themselves. The Stephanus family was addicted to ministry. They could not hold themselves back from serving the body of Christ. They loved serving. They could not stay away from it. Now, not all addictions are bad, right? We think of addictions and addictions are bad, right? You know, you can get addicted to commodas, right? You're eating it all the time, standing in line before it opens, right? There's some addictions that are bad. But Paul tells us that they were addicted to ministry. And specifically, it wasn't like they were addicted to mopping the church. They were addicted to, you know, setting up the sound system or, you know what I mean, like that. But it specifically goes on to say they were addicted to ministry, to Ministry of the saints, which means they were rendering service, loving Christian, 
affection to the body of Christ. They were serving the people in the church. They were serving the church in a loving way. Paul tells us that Stephanus' whole household were dedicated to ministry, to serving the body of Christ. In fact, they were addicted to ministry, Paul tells us here. Very interesting. Well, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, go back 16 chapters, chapter 1, verse 16, remember Paul tells us, or you might remember, Paul tells us in the beginning of the book that he baptized no one. He said, I didn't come to baptize, but I came to preach the gospel. Oh, wait, but I did baptize the whole household of Stephanus, right? They were a special family to him. Stephanus and his whole family were believers, and according to this verse, they were all serving together in the ministry. Serve the Lord. Get your family involved in church, and your kids will get addicted to ministry. Side note, side note. During Jesus' time, during the apostles' time, life revolved around the synagogue. It did. That's where the early church gathered. That's where the early church gathered and their children were taught in the synagogue. It was where daily life went around during the synagogue. That's why it was such a big deal if somebody was kicked out, excommunicated out of the synagogue. Because it meant that their family couldn't be taught. It meant that they couldn't come around. And the whole thing, it was a big, big deal. Life revolved around church. It revolved around the ministry. It was quite amazing. And truly, time has changed today. Hasn't it? It has changed. The church is something that we attend on Sunday and and maybe Wednesdays, but the church needs to be a part of our lives. You know, there was a time that I wasn't a pastor. I pastored for 14 years, but when I went to Okinawa, you know, I, I gave it all up. The idea was hopefully we were going to start a Bible college, and hopefully we'd plant churches and do things. I mean, I don't know what God's going to do, but that was the goal, and so for a year and a half, I wasn't a pastor anymore. I was pretty much free. I was working full time. And boy, I got, I got busy during the week. It was hard, you know. At that time, I was, I was getting up in the morning, um, had to be on the road by 7.15, drive all the way down to another city in Okinawa, and I was uh, a chaplain all day. And then from there, I would run literally to the church, and I would have to teach Bible college classes, and I was getting home at 11 o'clock at night, and then it would just start all over again. And... It was so easy for me just to go, you know what, I, I'm just going to go home on Wednesdays. I'm not going to go to church. But for a year and a half, I would go to Wednesday service. I would go because, you know what, I needed it. I honestly needed it. I was being beat up during the week, and I just needed to be around Christians, and I just needed to worship and get into the Word and get filled up to just... Give me enough to survive the week. I'm serious. And, 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 and Joanne will tell you the truth. You know, and we brought our kids and we came and we were devoted when we didn't have to. So people look at me and say, well, you're a pastor. You have to be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when I wasn't a pastor, I came. I needed it. And we live in a time where 
church doesn't have that big of a priority in our life. You know, it's God, hallelujah. It's family, hallelujah. And then oftentimes it's baseball, soccer, this, that. And then church is about five or six in our list. And it happens because the enemy kind of lulls us into that. We, we need to be devoted to ministry. And, and, and not, not uh, so, so let me tell you, this Saturday we have a cleaning church at 8 o'clock, so you better be here. That's, that's not it. It's about ministering to one another and being encouraging one another. And you don't know how hurting people are. We, we don't know how hurting people are. They're going through difficult times. And we're not going to minister to one another unless we're together and we take the time to love one another, to care for one another. It's so important. And Paul commends the household of Stephanus because they were devoted to the body of Jesus Christ. Hmm. The church gathered together for prayer, for teaching, fellowship, and the breaking of bread, Acts 2.42. Our families are going to get addicted to something. They are. Be it video games, be it sports, be it social media, be it et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Get them addicted to ministry. It is so important. And that we get them addicted early. Early. Because they're bombarded by Satan and demonic activity all around us. Get your family addicted to ministry. We need to be involved in the things of the Lord. We want our kids, I know, to be addicted to Jesus Christ. But honestly, they have to see it in us. The young people have to see it in us. You know, I think about Peter. Peter failed the Lord miserably. miserably. Nobody has ever failed the Lord as great as Peter. No one has failed the Lord greater than Peter. But the Lord welcomed him back. How did the Lord welcome him back? Do you remember? By asking Peter if he loves him. Remember that? And what did Peter answer every time? Lord, you know that I love you. What did Jesus tell him? Well then, Peter, if you really love me, go build me a monument. You know? Or Peter, if you really love me, go walk on your knees for two, oh no, make it three miles on your knees if you really love me. What did Jesus then ask Peter? Feed my lambs, right? And then Peter, he asked Peter, you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then he told them, feed my sheep. And then the third time, I mean, excuse me, tend my sheep. And then the last time, feed my sheep. Jesus did not tell that to Peter while he was a pastor. He told Peter, a repentant, unsure of himself, timid sinner. And do you notice the importance of of Jesus when he said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yeah. And Jesus said, so 
he said, feed my lambs. And then he said, tend my sheep and then feed my sheep. So do you see the importance that he put on the young sheep, on the lambs? Peter, you love me? Feed my lambs. Take care of the young ones. If you love Jesus, and I know that you do, I know that you do, show it by ministering to one another. Do you understand that? Jesus said, Peter, you love me? He says, yes. He said, Jesus said, then take care of my people. Take care of my people. And he told him that before he was a pastor. So, you know, it's not, oh, that is just for pastors. That's, that's your job, Tom. Oh, 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 oh. You know, no, 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 no. It's for the body of Christ. How can I show that I love Jesus? How can I show him? By tithing more. Giving. By loving God's people. That's how we can show that we love Jesus. By loving one another. You show it by ministering to one another. Not by staying at home. Not by staying away. But by being here. And loving one another. Praying for one another. Ministering to one another. Tending one another. Paul commends the household of Stephanus because they were addicted to ministry. Boy, this, this was powerful for me. It spoke to my heart in so many ways. Look at verse 16 here. Look at verse 16. So cool. Serve with those who serve the Lord. He says, he goes on to say, serve with those who serve the Lord. You know, or he goes, that you submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. What, what Paul was saying pretty much in a nutshell is work with them. Work with others. Just don't do it by yourself. Don't do it alone. But work with others. Work together in the body of Christ. This church will thrive as you and I continue to serve one another. The church exists to glorify the Lord and glorifying the Lord by serving one another. What's the greatest commandment? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? And then Jesus said, and the second is love one another, to care for one another, to love one another. Well, Paul is blessed with these ministry people. Let's read this very quickly. 17 and 18. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. They were Mexican dudes. No, those are, those are, like, those are like Mexican names, man, seriously. But they weren't Mexican dudes, okay? For what was lacking on your part, they supplied. For they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. Woo! Good stuff to say, but we're out of time. Here we see that Paul is blessed by these ministry people. Paul goes and says, you know, you guys weren't really there to help but man, these dudes, they were there, man. And they, they were there in your stead. And these guys ministered. These guys were awesome, man. They were such a blessing to those. And they were a blessing to me. The Stephanus family was such a refreshing to everyone. A real blessing. And Paul tells the Corinthians to remember their deeds and also to acknowledge their deeds and their character. For men just like them. It's not just the Stephanus family, Stephanus and his family, but there are other dudes just like them. And they were such a blessing. Such a blessing to the body of Christ. 
So my prayer, as you very well can tell, my prayer is that we would be addicted to ministry and thus be a blessing to the body of Jesus Christ. But your question you're probably asking, Pastor Tom, how can I get addicted to ministry? And how can I love one another like Paul loved the Corinthian church? By getting involved in one another's lives. You know what? This pandemic is never going to be over. Never is. It's always going to be here in one way or another. Life has changed. It's almost like 9-11, right? Life changed. But we cannot make that an excuse from getting back involved in one another's lives, loving one another. Make ministering to one another a part of our lives. Take time for one another. Get involved in feeding the most helpless, the most vulnerable of our church. And you know who they are? They're the little lambs. We've got to minister to these kids. We've got to, we've got to get them back. We've got to start ministering and loving them like never before. Feed my lambs. We need to do that. And know that ministry takes time. It takes time for us just spending time with one another, loving one another. Because Jesus could come back today, right? Tonight. This could be our last night on earth, man. Christ comes back. And like I said, you know, the Lord answered my prayers because I told the guys on Friday night, I said, oh, I pray the Lord doesn't come back until, you know, after men's breakfast, men's prayer. And Pastor Rick looked at me like, what are you talking about, man? Get out of my house, you non-Christian. No, he didn't say that. And I said, because we're going to have commodas in the morning. And so after we have commodas one last time and then we'll go to heaven, right? But I think commodas donuts going to be in heaven. So that'd be okay, right? But you know what? Christ is coming back. And the only things that we do for Jesus, that is only thing that's going to matter. Remember that. Only what we do for Christ is going to matter. That's it. And we need to live like that because we are in the last days. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray and the worship team is going to come up, right? Lord, thank you for your word. Oh, God, it's so powerful. And we pray, God, that we just heed your scriptures and what you're saying to us personally. That we would just love you, Lord, and that we would love one another. And God, how do I prove that I love you? By ministering to one another. By loving one another. The world will know that I'm a Christian. They'll know that we are Christians by our love. Oh God, may you do something personally in my heart. My heart. And in those hearts who are here this evening and those who are coming online, oh God, speak to us in such a powerful way. And Lord, may we heed your voice and do what you called us to do. It's in the beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.